If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for Lee Lowe. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We have a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Jeff Parles. Does a great job over here at the Vegas Ads and Information Network Monday through Friday. You're able to catch him producing a numbers game. And then on the weekends, he's sort of our super utility guy. Typically he does point spread Saturday, but we've seen him on such shows as the run line, betting across America. Guy does it all and does so all so well. So, going to be chatting with him in the second segment about how he's been engaging totals, some of the things that he's been picking up on this season in general, and a few spots that he's looking at for Wednesday as well. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all first things first. Always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these in the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're about fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Mind that five-star review. Really didn't get in a lot of questions today, but we did wind up having an absolutely amazing day of baseball on Tuesday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends in. Try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We had just three unders on Tuesday Major League Baseball, and we did wind up having a push as well. 
How about if we give you guys a push first as it was a 5-3 win for the LA Angels after Noah Thor Syndergaard last time out against the Texas Rangers was not so great. This was much better. Did wind up giving up one solo home run over the course of his eight innings of work, giving that up to Jonah Heim, fifth home run season, but all in all, rock solid. Aaron Loop did wind up giving up a home run to Mitch Garver as he had allowed two runs in two-thirds of an inning before Rossi Iglesias winds up closing it out, but good showing from the LA Angels as he did wind up having Jared Walsh be able to go yard. That was his ninth home run of the season. As for the Texas Rangers, Dane Gitter Dunning, well, he did not get her dunning, giving up five runs over the course of six and a third innings. Since getting to the Rangers, his road ERA is more than two points higher than his home ERA, and the Garrett Richards was able to give you five outs out of the bullpen. So, Angels able to get it done. The Oakland Athletics go on the road. They are able to get a W over the Seattle Mariners. 7-5 to five the final as Oakland's bats seem to have finally been able to wake up for this team as this is a bunch that all of a sudden they've been able to score four plus runs and now five out of their last seven games as they wound up getting a home run off the bat of Elvis Andrews. Second home run season, then Glenn Kirby, the starter, winds up giving up a home run to Jed Lowry. Third of the season for Kirby gives up four runs over the course of five innings. Other home run was given up by Drew Second Rider, giving up that home run in two thirds of an inning. Anthony Machevich gives you an ending out of the bullpen, giving up two runs. Pen Murphy is scoreless inning and Sergio Romo, four outs out of the bullpen. And Julio Rodriguez is right now white hot. For the Seattle Mariners, he does wind up getting his fifth home run season. Now up to 20 RBI, hitting a 272. This month is hitting just below a 350 as he went deep off of James Caprillian, who didn't have a great start, giving up five runs over the course of five innings. But then from there, an A's bullpen that is right now in the top eight with regards to ERA, lights out. Zach Jackson, Danny Jimenez both give you a scoreless setting. And then Domingo Acevedo and Sam Maul combined to be able to give you a duo of scoreless innings as Jimenez and Maul both leave this game with a 0.61 ERA or better. Just absolutely insane there. DK Nation pick up the under in this game between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Kansas City Royals does not get there, but the Diamondbacks do wind up winning, and they wind up winning by two runs, 8-6 to six of finalists. John Easley, not long for this game, gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Big thing was he gave up six walks in this game, so he was dodging bullets all night long. Did wind up giving up a pair of bombs as going deep off of him, David Peralta, eighth home run season. Then he did wind up having Dalton Varshow get his eighth home run of the campaign, and then Taylor Clark really gave it up. The former Diamondback gives up home runs to Jordan Luplo and Pavin Smith. Both of them get their sixth home runs of the season as Clark goes two-thirds of an inning, giving up those three runs. Amir Garrett gives up two runs in a third of an inning. It's a Royals team that currently has the worst pull-penny right in the American League. As Gabe Spear was able to give you two scoreless innings. And R.J. Melendez takes Zach Gallon deep third home run of the season for Gallon. He winds up giving up six runs in five and a third innings and not giving up more than two runs in a single start all season. But bullpen at his back. Noe Ramirez, Ian Kennedy, Mark Melanson all give you a scoreless setting. And Joe Manat Tipley lowers his ERA to his 0-51, getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen as the Arizona Diamondbacks improved to 23-22. and He did wind up getting the Houston Astros some offense on Tuesday as well, 7-3. They take down the Cleveland Guardians as Zach Plesak got destroyed giving up all seven of those runs in four and two-thirds innings. Was taken deep by Kyle Tucker, eighth home run season. Meanwhile, Fran Bervaldez, far from terrific, giving up three runs over the course of seven innings, including a home run to Jose Ramirez. 11th home run season now has 43 RBI that leads the league, but bullpen from there was able to do their part. Hector Neris and Rafael Montero, both a squirrel setting for an Astros team that they lead the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And then on the flip side for the Guardians, Aniel de los Santos was able to give you one and a third inning scoreless and Eli Morgan, Anthony Goss, both able to give you a scoreless setting as well. You wound up seeing the Milwaukee Brewers 
Keep a total of six and a half under. Thanks to their four to one win. One Gobin Burns, because I always believe his name should be said in an old English accent. One run give it up in six innings, and then Hobie Milner, Trevor God, Devin Williams with Josh Hader unavailable in this game. They wind up all being able to give you a scoreless setting. Pair of home runs from the Birds as well. Mark Barrasso, third home run season, and Tyrone Taylor, his fourth as for the San Diego Padres. Not a bad start here from Blake Snell. He did wind up giving up on those home runs, three runs in total, give it up at five and a third innings. Craig Salmon gives up the other bomb in one and two thirds innings of work. You did wind up having Steve Wilson, Timo, both give you a scoreless setting, but for the Padres, nothing doing on offense with Burns and company out there on the mound. The Colorado Rockies wind up being able to get a 10-inning win over the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 2-1. to one. They wind up being able to go 2 of 7 with men in scoring position as Kyle Freeland. Not necessarily a long start, but wasn't a bad one. One run give it up in four and a third innings, and that came in the first inning as the Pirates they came up empty a lot with men in scoring position going 2 of 9, but Ronce Contreras looks like a guy that they could build around for the future. Five scoreless innings there. Dwayne Underwood Jr. comes out of the bullpen 2 in a third innings, giving up an unearned run as he was hurt by an error out there in the field. Chris Stratton gives you five outs, and then David Bernard gives up the honor and run in the 10th inning. And for the Rockies, the team with the worst bullpen area in the big leagues entering into this one, it was lights out. Ulysses just seen five outs out of the bullpen scoreless, and then Lucas Gilbreth, Alex Calme, both eight scoreless inning, and Daniel Bard, two scoreless innings for the Rockies to be able to get a rare road win. The Chicago Cubs, they continue to the demise of the Cincinnati Reds. 11-4, they are able to get it done as the Cincinnati Reds, they are actually playing still a little bit better than they did at the beginning of the season. Couldn't really get much worse. They are now 9-8 and eight in their last 17 games before the Cubs wound up having Frank Schwindel go deep twice in this one. His fifth and sixth home runs of the season, those both coming off of Tyler Molly, who Molly was just destroyed. Eight runs given up over the course of four innings, including those two jacks. Luis Sessa winds up giving up two runs in an inning. Got so bad that Matt Reynolds, position player, wound up giving up a run in an inning. He did wind up having Jared Solomon be able to give you a scoreless inning. And then Joel Kunal was able to give you two scoreless innings as well. And for the Reds, I mean, they did go 3 of 8 with men in scoring position. And Robbie Gazelman got taken deep by Taylor Naquin. Fifth home run season for Gazelman. Three innings of relief, giving up two runs. And Marcus Stroman, not a bad start. Two runs given up in five innings. Got a scoreless inning out of the bullpen out of Brandon Hughes as well. So the Cubs, they're able to get it done. The Miami Marlins, nothing doing for them on Tuesday. Zero runs scored. This is a rare six and a half that I liked under, and it stayed under. Four to zero. The final, the Tampa Bay Rays get it done as one Pablo Lopez gave up a trail of home runs, four runs in total. Over the course of seven innings, Kevin Kiermaier, sixth home run season, G-Man Choi, his third home run season, and Harold Ramirez, the former Marlin, his first Anthony Bass, was able to give you a scoreless inning, but even if they gave up one run, would have been too many because Shane McClanahan had it all going on. Six innings, zero runs, nine punch-outs in that span. Dustin Knight was able to give you a pair of scoreless innings, and then you wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Ryan Thompson as well. So the Rays, they continue their dominance to 25-17 and 17 on the season. The Baltimore Orioles cover yet another run line. They don't wind up getting the job done outright, so the Yankees snap their three-game losing streak, but 7-6, to six, Yankees wind up getting the win, but they do not wind up being able to get it done on the run line, as this is an Orioles team that they have now covered the run line of one and a half in eight out of their last nine games. And for the Orioles, they wind up having a pair of home runs in this game. Austin the Sayers kid goes deep off of Jordan Montgomery's fourth home run season. And Michael King, who's been terrific out of the bullpen, he gets taken deep by former teammate Rudando Dora's third home run season for King. Gives up three runs and two-thirds of an inning. That's an ERA booster. Meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery, a solid start, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Lucas Lukey gives you an out of the bullpen. Clay Holmes, who now has a 0-40 ERA, gives you a scoreless inning. You do wind up having Wandy Peralta give you a scoreless inning as well. And then this was a game that went to the 10th and 11th inning. You wind up having Clark Schmidt wind up giving you two innings. 
gives up one under and run in the time span, so he did his job. And for the Yankees, they win this game thanks to the deep balls. You do wind up having Jose Trevino get a second home run season off of Bruce Zimmerman. Zimmerman also a lot of home run to Anthony Rizzo, his 11th home run season. Glaber Torres got Mr. Zimmerman twice, sixth and seventh home runs of the season. For Zimmerman, he gives up four runs in six of the third innings, all solo home runs. From there, you do wind up having Logan Gillespie give up a run in a third of an inning out of the bullpen. Keegan Aiken, good long guy, two and a third inning scoreless. Dylan Tate winds up giving a scoreless inning before Brian Baker. Winds up coming into that 11th inning, gives up two runs, one of which was earned. That winds up being the difference in this one. The LA Dodgers continue their winning ways over the Washington Nationals, who are now 14-30 and 30 overall. So you're in condition with our good friends at Cincinnati Rides for the worst record in the league. And they're now 5-17 and 17 at home, which I don't know how that's possible. 9 and 4 the final for the LA Dodgers. Walker Beeler, solid serve. Two runs given up in six innings, earned three runs in total. David Price, he winds up giving up a run in an inning, and Bruce Arderadwell, two scoreless innings. But Mookie Betts, he is the bets around. 11th and 12th home runs of the season as Josiah Gray got really tagged in this one. He wound up giving up a home run to Chris Taylor as well. Fourth home run season, he gave one up to Mr. Trey Turner down for what? His third home run of the season as for Gray. Colin Makery because he got smoked. Three home runs given up in three innings. Seven runs in total. Victor Arano gave up the other home run. Dumukie Betts giving up a run in an inning. Paul Espinel, Kyle Finnegan both give you a scoreless inning. And Josh Rogers and Carl Edwards Jr. Combined for three innings giving up one run. And for the Nationals, two of 12 with men in scoring position. So not going great out there. Not going great for the Philadelphia Phillies either, who are now 20 and 23. The Atlanta Braves get the job done by kind of 6 to 5 in a game in which, if you wind up having the under, you've got to be very furious as both teams wind up putting up a two spot in the ninth inning as Kyle Gibson, not a bad start here, gives up two runs over the course of five innings. And then James Norwood, a part of that Phillies bullpen that they should be represented by lighter fluid because they light games on fire. They He winds up giving up two runs, doesn't wind up giving the team a single out as he was taken deep by Matt Olson, fifth home run of the season, and then from there, Nick Nelson in the ninth inning winds up completely blowing this game. Two runs, one of which was earned, give it up in his inning. Andrew Bellotti, Brad Hand, they both give you a scoreless inning. And Bryce Harper, he's back with a vengeance. Four RBIs and his 10th home run of the season in this one. That comes off Kenley Jansen, who he winds up having another inopportune blown save, though. Winds up getting the win in this one while giving up two runs in an inning. Probably didn't deserve the win, but that's a discussion for another day. Max Fried is solid start giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Will Smith got jiggy with it. He wanted getting three punch outs in an inning, but gave up a run along the way. And A.J. Minter, a scoreless inning. So, a lot of harebrainedness there. And moral of the story, Philly's bullpen still sucks. You know what else still stinks? The Detroit Tigers offense says this is a team that currently in road games averaging 2.07 runs per game. 2-0. The Minnesota Twins wind up taking them down. Bo Brisky just wound up having nobody supporting him. Wasn't the greatest start, but two runs given up in four innings. He'll take it in. The Tigers have a top eight bullpen in terms of ERA. You wind up having a quadrant of guys in Michael Fulmer, Jacob Barnes, along Drew Carlton, and then you throw in there Jason Foley. I'll give you a scoreless inning, but offense couldn't do anything in this one. As Sonny Gray, terrific start. Seven innings gives up four hits, ten strikeouts, no runs, and then the Duffman was able to deliver. Tyler Duffy and Johan Duran were both able to give you a scoreless inning. So the Twins and get another win. And that one was via the run line, despite the fact that they only scored two runs in this game. The Toronto Blue Jays had scored three runs or fewer in each of their previous six games. Nine out of their last 12. 
They gave some run support to Kevin Gosman. 8-1 to the final for Gosman. Six scoreless innings of work. Ron Stripling gives up one run over the course of his two innings, and then you do wind up having a scoreless inning from Andrew Vasquez. And for the Blue Jays, the offense finally awoke. Danny Jansen, two home runs in this one. His fourth and fifth of the season, Flyguerro Jr. winds up being able to touch him off for his eighth as for the Cardinals. Jordan Hicks got the start, and he probably should not be starting. Gives up four runs, five walks over the course of three innings. Nick Wicker in from there. Gives up two runs over the course of his two innings. Drew Vragan, who comes over from overseas, he gives up two solo runs and each two innings of work before you wind up having one Junior Fernandez be able to give you two scoreless innings. So that puts a halt to the St. Louis Cardinals win streak. The White Sox and their positive momentum, that was put to a screeching halt on Tuesday as well. 16-3. The Boston Red Sox erupted in this one. As for the Red Sox, Kike Hernandez led off the game with a home run off of Dylan Cease. His second home run season, Cease winds up giving one up to Trevor Story. His eighth home run season, then Bullpen wound up giving up the other two as you did wind up having Christian Vasquez get a second home run season off of Matt Foster. And then Jose Ruiz winds up giving one up to Rafael Devers, seventh home run season for Ruiz. He winds up giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Cease gives up seven runs in three innings. Brent Sosa does not wind up giving up any home runs, but he got two outs and he gave up five runs. You wind up having Mr. Foster wind up giving up the other home run in his two-thirds of an inning. He actually had Vinny Velo, Vince Velasquez, give you three scoreless innings, and then Aaron Bummer, a scoreless inning as well. But not a great day for the Sox. So you do wind up having Mr. Jose Abreu go deep off of Nick Pavetta's fifth home run season for Pavetta. He's looked much better here recently. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. He has now given up a grand total of five runs over the course of his last four starts. And team has now won each out of his last three starts as Itakaza Sadamora, Matt Barnes, and Tyler Danish. I'll give you a scoreless inning from there. You do wind up. Yourself a little bit of a situation out there in the Bay Area. I'm probably not going to be able to give you anything on this one because I need to have this podcast up by midnight Pacific time. And as it stands right now, it is 11 to 11 between the Mets and the San Francisco Giants with the possibility of extras with a total of 33 hits in this one. I mean, boy, these bullpens have been lit up. Chris Bassett gave up eight runs over the course of four and a third innings, including three jacks. Jack Peterson, his eighth. Ninth and 10th home runs of the season. Two off of Bassett and then Drew Smith gave up the other one. And for Smith, he gives up that home run. Two-thirds of an inning, giving up three runs in total. For the San Francisco Giants, the other home run. That one's coming off of the bat of Tommy LaStella. His second home run season for Logan Webb. If the Giants don't wind up winning this game, it would be the first time that the Giants lost with him. Pitching in a regular season game at home since 2020. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Then the bullpen went to work. This is not the Giants' bullpen of last year. Camilo Duval gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run. Jarlene Garcia scored a setting, but Dominic Leon, he gives up two runs in an inning, including home run going deep for the New York Metropolitans. Francisco Lindor, his seventh home run season. By the time this is all said and done, he might wind up hitting for the cycle, by the way, because he's got a triple and a home run in this one. But Dominic Leon gives that up, and then Tyler Rogers. This is going to really hurt his ERA. It went from a 378 to a 741. He got one out and gave up seven runs, all of which were earned. So, not terrific there. And for the Mets, you do wind up having Steven Nagosic be able to give you two and two thirds inning scoreless. And then you wind up having Joey Rodriguez wind up not being able to get a single out, allowed three hits, and then Ida Montavino had to bail him out. So, that was very entertaining. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball in general, we wind up seeing just three unders wind up being able to hit on Tuesday. So, 
That means that for the season, that under rate, it is starting to shrink just a little bit more. And it has been interesting to see what we've been able to get all season long. Because unders now hitting at a 53.5-ish percent clip. 277 overs, 317 unders. And if you're taking a look at favorites, they've been able to do relatively solid this year. 375 and 252 straight up with that Giants result pending. If you're taking a look at favorites on the run line, though, already this year 101 times the favorite has failed to cover on the run line, and that's even worse for home teams. Home teams, 238 and 166 straight up. Meanwhile, on the run line, home favorites, they have won by approximately one run now, 76 times. So that is something that you do want to be taking note of. And if you're taking a look at the last seven days of Major League Baseball with regards to these totals, we've now seen 42 overs and 39 under. So seeing a little bit of reversal there. So that's what we wanted seeing in Major League Baseball on Tuesday. Now let's turn it forward to Wednesday and let's get the thoughts of one Jeff Parles with regards to these totals that we're seeing. He does a terrific job with Vison and it's going to be doing a terrific job with me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Vison Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life... 
We've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. And 
got a great guest joining me today. Chef Parles does an absolutely terrific job over at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. Here we catch him every Monday through Friday, helping out Gil Alexander on a numbers game. And then on the weekends, you're always going to find Jeff. It feels like he's our super utility player because it feels like he's on a different show every week as he's typically doing points spread Saturday, but we've already seen him on the run line, which is our new baseball betting show every Sunday. I know that he's done some great work on such shows as betting across America as well. And to be able to follow Jeff Parles on Twitter, that is at his name, Jeff Parles, Jeff with a J E F F. And then the last name Parles P A R L E S and Jeff, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, it's a pleasure as always. And I will be on point spread Saturday this week because it's going to be very hard for me to host the show for being about 35,000 feet above ground level because I'll be on a plane during basically every other program on the network over Saturdays. Point spread Saturday, bright and early. AM local time here in Vegas, 8 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. We'll have a good time and hoops. We're almost at the point where it is a baseball monopoly of the North American sports schedule. Yes, it certainly is. We've got the NHL playoffs. We've got the NBA playoffs. We've still got some horse racing going on. We're not going to have a Triple Crown winner this year, but and we just wrapped up the PGA Championship. The USFL is going on as well. Pretty much the only thing that we need at this point is college basketball, but with all these NBA draft decisions, I've got no shortage of things to talk about there, and we've got no shortage of things to talk about with regards to baseball as well because what has really been intriguing this year is taking a look at totals because no question about it, we wound up seeing it towards the beginning of the year. Unders were hitting like wildfire. I would say over the last three, four weeks, things have been relatively 50-50 ever since we wound up seeing that just absolutely scorching start for unders. How have you been playing totals? Because I just feel like with regards to some of these lower totals, when you wind up going down to a seven, a lot of the six halves, it just, aside from very rare circumstances, gets down too low for me to be able to take some of those very, very low totals under. Very simple here, Greg. If we're getting starting pitchers that are not good, seven and a halfs or eights, and mostly seven and a half more than eight, and sometimes we even see a seven for two average to mediocre starters now because of the environment you're in. I'm betting over. And John Legeza, who's been on, on VEASAN a lot recently, who works for the Athletic, very smart baseball handicapper, has been attacking this angle. And he's been attacking it in first fives, which I think is right as well. Like, if you're getting, like, four for, let's just take Monday, you had Marco Gonzalez and Zach Lowe's starting. Last time I checked, I didn't even know who Zach Lowe's was until about two and a half <laughs> weeks ago. And Marco Gonzalez is a guy who gives up homers. And that total was four in the first five. What did that do in the first five? Oh, it was only uh, only seven to three after five, which pushed the whole game over, by the way, in the first five innings as well. Game ended seven, six. So, like, if you're going to give me mediocre to average starting pitchers, and sometimes you even get bad starting pitchers or guys who I consider to be bad with seven and a halves at this point. I mean, there's a Bryce Wilson game this weekend with an eight. I mean, are you kidding me? You're at a point where you just have to, until the books adjust these back and we're getting to warmer weather, we're going to start seeing the ball flying at some point. It's going to happen. You're going to see these numbers creep back up. I used to be big on first five unders with at least starting pitching or good starting pitching even, especially when you'd get four, four and a half. The days of getting... Elite starters at fours are gone. Lopez and McClanahan in the battle for Florida, and that was a freaking three. The days of getting the first five unders with good starting pitchers at four and a half, at four and a half are way gone. And getting fours with at least one 
all-star quality pitcher are gone too. You just bet them over until until the markets come back to earth, which inevitably will happen because the people behind the counter are very smart. There's a reason that these casinos are stories and stories large. Yes, it certainly is a case of that. And I mean, when you wind up seeing some of these totals of six and a half, and I still remember Tyler McGill and Alex Cobb wound up getting a six and a half. Boy, that's when you just wind up getting to a little bit of a point of no return. So I do agree with you there, as we do have Jeff Parles of VEASAN joining me on the podcast. And Jeff, I know that you're a man that you follow the New York Mets. And as we are doing this podcast, we have no idea who their starting pitcher is going to be for Wednesday, as I'm hearing Thomas Zapucky, and hopefully I am saying that last name correctly, but apparently he's traveling with the team, and it's looking like as of right now, he's going to get the start, obviously, subject to a little bit of change. But how do you gauge this team? Because I'm much more willing to buy in on the Mets this year than I have been in the past. I still think I need to see it to believe it a little bit with them, because I mean, the Mets have been notorious for some big second half collapses, but I take a look at this team. I've been impressed by what I've seen. I'm just worried that the war of attrition with taking out three starters might wind up catching up to them within the next few weeks. Yeah, look, the schedule is very difficult, Greg. And so far, they survived the trip in Colorado where they didn't score a lot of runs and still took two out of three. They bombs the way in San Francisco where they look, the Mets have been very good at taking advantage of teams making mistakes. And that five-run inning early in the game where they had multiple infield hits, Lindor hits a lazy ball that was up in the air forever to Darren Ruff, looked like you or me playing left field and totally butchered. Then the next pitch, Alonzo hits out for a three-run homer. The Mets are taking advantage of other teams' mistakes, which, Greg, it has been a long while since the Mets have been able to do that offensively. And even with the pitcher injury, Jacob DeGrom actually threw in the city field outfield today, which is a big step. For DeGrom, it seems that the Mets are hopeful that he can be ready by either the end of June or the beginning of July. We're not going to see Scherzer till after the All-Star break at this point. McGill is probably going to throw a rehab start later this week. I think the Mets should be able to sustain. The only problem is that schedule is very difficult, including the San Francisco series. They have three at home against Philadelphia, which is a series I think the Mets should be able to handle, said Phillies in over the weekend. The Mets have played the Phillies very well so far this year. Then they have a series against Washington. We know the Nats stink. And then after that, they have a really difficult West Coast swing with four against the Dodgers, three against the Padres, and three against the Angels. All three teams that I expect to be in the postseason. It is going to be a tough stretch for them. But if they get out of that West Coast swing, let's say they win one of the last two in San Francisco, win two road series against Colorado and the Giants, come home, take two series, or even go three and three against Philly and Washington – and then find a way to go four and six or five and five in that big West Coast swing against the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Angels. I think the Mets are just fine because teams are not going to be in the NL East this year, just aren't quite as good as we thought going into this year. The Phillies have been a disappointment, even though they have a positive run differential. And I just don't think the Braves are that good, Craig. I said this on the run line with Adam Burke on Sunday. Everyone who wanted to convince themselves that the Braves are going to be just fine replacing Matt Olson with Freddie Freeman. Now in the long run, it could end up being fine. But at least every once in a while through this long contract for Olson, and it's unfair to bring up 2020 stats because that was a short season and a small sample size, but Matt Olson stunk in 2020. So you can get a guy who is very streaky, who we see how good he can be with how he was in 2021, 
But then you have the opportunity where a guy could just not be good for a year and hit 220 and not hit for enough power. And if that, when that happens, which looks like it could be happening this year to Olsen, the Braves are going to be a 500 team, which is not going to be good enough to get any playoff position in the National League. Yep, it is clearly a case in which you can tell that the Atlanta Braves are missing Freddie Freeman this year. Matt Olsen, relatively solid player. No he'll be, he'll be, about it. He, long-term, he'll be fine. But just the type of hitter he is, Greg, there will be years where he struggles and goes through long spurts of struggling. And an NL, Greg, that has kind of played out the way that I expected, where I thought three teams in the NL West would be in the mix. The two teams in the NL Central, Milwaukee and St. Louis, would be in the mix. And then two or three teams in the NL East, depending on what the Mets and the Phillies ended up being, along with Atlanta being in the mix for a playoff spot. And that's kind of how it played out. But if you're any playoff team, what do you think, Greg? I know it's early. I know we're not even in June yet. You think 86 wins is good enough to get the sixth seed in the NL? I'm not sure if that's actually going to be enough this year. I was saying more like 87, maybe even an 88 is sort of the number that was coming to mind for me personally, just because you do have those sinkholes like the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates that they're giving away wins left and right so that certainly is going to make it a little bit more difficult for some of these teams as we do have Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast and I do think that it is going to be interesting to see how that winds up shaking out as well because one of those top teams in the National League as of right now that would be the Milwaukee Brewers and they're going to be sending Aaron Ashby to the mound on Wednesday which I think is fascinating because Aaron Ashby has been lights out out of the bullpen this year for the Brewers, but every time they wind up giving him a start, it just doesn't wind up going well for him in general. Meanwhile, he's going up against Hugh Darvish, who ever since he got to San Diego, his home and road splits are really demonstrative. This is very simple for me, especially with not having Josh Hader available for the ninth inning in this series for the Milwaukee Brewers. Just with Ashby getting the start rather than coming out of the bullpen, I've taken a look at the Padres. I'm not sure about you, but I do feel like the Brewers have been the beneficiaries of being able to get some of those wins I was talking about against the teams like the Pirates, the Reds, these just bad teams out there in National League. And I take a look at Ashby, and I think that he's going to be very good in two to three years. Just right now, I don't trust him as a starter. Yeah, I don't disagree. This series I have stayed away from because I think these teams are pretty even. I think they're both quality playoff teams. The Padres have overachieved a little bit based off of what you would expect with their Pythagorean theorem, run differential, win percentage, and their base runs expectancy. They've overachieved a little bit, but that's a good team. And remember, last time I was on the podcast with you, just tied San Diego before getting to the Brewers. And this kind of goes back to your last question with the Mets. The Padres and the Mets both have adults in the room now managing their teams. And yeah. we're seeing the Bob Melvin effect in San Diego. We are absolutely seeing the Buck Showalter effect with the Mets. And for the Padres, they're in a very difficult division. And, Greg, they have the looks of a team that's going to win 90-plus games and make the playoffs probably as either the fourth or fifth seed in the NL. Now for the Brewers, I am concerned long-term about their offense, kind of like we honestly have been the entire era since they've become good because they're starting pitching. Uh, I know Burns is not, has not been as dominant as he was last year, even though it is hard to be as dominant as he was a year ago. He'll be fine in the long run. Woodruff, same deal. He'll be fine in the long run. I am a little bit concerned about Devin Williams, who's had some interesting outings mixed in there this year, <laughs> especially with Hayter. Uh, a family emergency, I'm pretty sure, for Hayter this week, which is keeping yep. him out of the games in San Diego. Hayter's still the best closer in, in Major League Baseball. Look, I am concerned about the offense. And the one thing that is good, though, long-term, Greg, is they have taken advantage of the crappy teams in that division. 
which is what you have to do in order to win the NL Central and at least play even with the Cardinals. And they'll play even with the Cardinals. I think Milwaukee's still better as a whole than the Cards. So no play on this game for Wednesday. But the Brewers, again, the Brewers and the Mets, because I really do think the winner of the NL West is going to be the one seed. We are going to see the Brewers and the Mets, assuming those two teams win their respective divisions, those two teams are going to have to basically play it straight to the final day of the season. Because, Greg, as we will bang into the ground, very much so when we get closer, the difference between the two and the three seed is monumental this year in the postseason. I think you bring up such a good point. It is going to be so much bigger this year than in years past, as we do have Jeff Parles of Beeson joining me on the podcast. And, Jeff, we have taken a look at some of the better teams out there in the National League and a little bit of the TBD situation that we got for Wednesday with the Mets as well. Is there anything else with regards to Wednesday that you're taking a look at, whether it be just a team that you want to see a little bit more from slash a pitcher or a bet or two that you might be wanting to place right now as we're taking a look at things overnight before we wind up getting movement for Wednesday? Yeah, I want to attack Dylan Bundy if I can, but the problem is that the Tigers' offense is so pathetic that I don't know if I even can attack Dylan Bundy. And that's kind of where we're at here with Detroit, who – Greg, they were the one team that there were a lot of smart people who thought they were going to be the team that takes the leap this year, and the Tigers have just stunk. It's just been terrible. So I would love to attack Dylan Bundy, but I don't know if I can do it with Detroit, who just can't hit anyone right now. You mentioned it earlier. I'm very curious to see what happens with the Mets and the Giants with Sapaki coming up, more than likely making that start against Jacob Junis, who is just another one of those guys who ends up with the Giants and all of a sudden has found it again. <laughs> like he did at the early portion of his career in Kansas City. That one's intriguing. And also, too, especially if the Mets were recording this before the game on Tuesday night, if the Mets win as an underdog against Logan Webb, even though the Mets de facto ace is going tonight in Chris Bassett with Scherzer and DeGrom out, I'm interested to see how the Giants respond because the Giants are in a funk right now because they got swept by San Diego over the weekend. They lost badly on Monday night to the Mets as a favorite at home with Alex Cobb. We're not pressing a panic button on the San Francisco Giants yet because I think we can start giving them the benefit of the doubt like we do with Tampa now. Even though the roster doesn't look sexy, they're going to be good because they're put together properly. But this is a pretty bit of an alarming stretch now for the Giants where this is the second time they've had a losing streak of five or more this year. So we'll see. Those are the two games I'm really looking at, though. Minnesota and Detroit. Again, I just can't get there with betting on Detroit in any fashion right now, Greg. They just cannot hit. They entered into Monday averaging 2.06 runs per game on the so road. So bad. We were talking about some of these teams and that it's like, oh, some of these six halves and sevens have gotten down a little bit too low. With the Tigers, they legitimately haven't gotten down that low because, I mean, the Tigers haven't necessarily faced world-beating pitching on the road, especially out there in the AL Central. And they're just not putting up runs in general. And if they wind up having Terry Scuba wind up missing a start or two, all five of their starters that they projected coming into the year will be out of the rotation. I mean, it is Murphy's Law for the Detroit Tigers, which is the exact opposite of what wound up happening on this podcast because everything went right with you joining it, Jeff. You do an amazing job over there at VSIN Monday through Friday. You're holding it down over there with Gil Alexander on a numbers game. And then during the weekend, you're a super utility player, my friend. I know you mainly do points for it Saturday, but on top of that, Wherever they need you, you always do a great job of being able to pinch it. So let the good people at home know where they're able to follow you on social media and just everything they've got going on in general. Yeah, on the tweets of Jeff Parles, uh, point spread Saturday, this Saturday, 8 o'clock Eastern, bright and early for us before it's even light out. 
who knows? You're probably still awake anyway. You don't sleep. Great, yeah. So you, you, you'll be able to listen. And then we got a numbers game. I will be with Gil the rest of this week. And then I am off. A rare off week for yours truly next week. So and that will be fun. And then back on the saddle that first full week of June for me. And Jeff doing an absolutely amazing job over there at the network. And a guy that legitimately takes a look at a little bit of everything. As I know that he actually, because we were talking about how we've got a little bit of everything going on on the sports calendar this year. Actually does a little bit of soccer as well. So a very (laughs) well-versed man in Jeff Parles who covers it all and does a great job over at VSEN. And it is always a pleasure to get him on this podcast. So big thanks to Jeff for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VSEN Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? 
on Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get our good friend from Beeson, Jeff Parlson. Does a great job helping out Gil on a numbers game and on the weekends. You're able to hear him on Point Spread Saturday, but man is a little bit of a super utility player. 
doing a little bit of everything over there at the network. So always a pleasure to get on board. Big thanks to Jeff for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. We do have a couple games that are off the board, but by and large, we do have numbers on a lot of these games, aside from, of course, the first two games. So let's get this over with 951-952 on the bang board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Zach Thompson is going to be going for the Buckos, and Ryan Feltner is going to be on the bump. For the Colorado Rockies, this game is off the board because Feltner was not known until later on in the day on Tuesday, but the book of Greg Peterson has a line on this game. I did wind up making the Pirates a minus 131 favorite with a total of 8.8, so ain't half or less going to be looking at an over and a nine or higher, going to be taking a look at an under, and when Ryan Feltner has gotten an opportunity at the big league level, it just has not wound up going well for him in general. Guy doesn't necessarily have wipeout stuff. To say the least, and you take a look at Ryan Thompson, he did wind up posting up right around a 3-3-ish ERA when he was with the Miami Marlins last year. This year, it's not necessarily too terrific, but I do have a little bit more faith in him than in Feltner. Now, Feltner giving up less than a home run per nine innings out there in a juice ball league in the PCL over there at Albuquerque, but take a look at the one start that he wanted to make in this year. Gave up four runs over the course of five innings. That was not necessarily too great, and you take a look at just what he's been doing in general with regards to command. Last year at the minor league level did wind up having right in the neighborhood of about three and a half walks per nine innings. That is a little bit of a concern that you do wind up having and this is a Pittsburgh Pirates team that they do a pretty solid job of being able to get on base. You don't necessarily have a lot of mashers for this team. Daniel Vogelback has been able to give you six home runs this season hitting right around 240 but they do have Ben Gamble, who's got right around a 350, 360-ish on base. He certainly have had Cabrian Hayes doing a nice job hitting right around 290. His on base is more like a 375. Brian Reynolds is starting to pick it up. Michael Chavis is back after he had a 300. Now, you do have guys at the bottom of the lineup like a Yoshi Satsugo, Michael Perez, Rodolfo Castro that need a little bit of help, but you take a look at the Rockies, and they're right around 55 points lower on the road than they do at home. You look at C.J. Crone, he's got 10 home runs so far this season, but just two of them have come on the road. He's sitting right around 222 on the road at home. That's over 150 points higher. Sam Hilliard is sitting below the Middles line of 200. He haven't been able to get much of anything out of Charlie Blackman, and this is a Rockies team that, as of right now, they've got a bottom three bullpen in terms of ERA, and uh, if you take a look, they might wind up being dead last when it's all said and done with regards to Tuesday as Ulysses Chassin has had to be a long guy. That's honestly too terrific. Carlos Aceves has been a little bit cheeky out of the bullpen as well. Ty McKinley's rock solid, but and that's only one guy and for the Pirates. All but two of their wins entering into Tuesday had come out of the bullpen. Now, it's not that their bullpen is lights out. David Benar and Andy Banda are guys they like, but you do have Chris Strain. He's got north of a four ERA. It's been a really rough year for Heath Embry, but that said, you have had these guys be able to come in, hold down the four for this team. So, they want to say my total at an 8.8, especially with this being a day game. So, 8.5 for less looking over 9 or higher to the under. And made Zach Thompson a company, despite the fact that you do have Thompson having right around a 488 ERA, but coming in, having allowed just one run in his last four appearances. So, coming in on a high note. So, they wind up making the Pirates as a result a minus 
minus 131 favorite. As we wind up going to 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. Got the New York Mets at the road faceoff against the San Francisco Giants. Jacob Junis is going to be going for the Giants. As of right now, it's to be determined for the Mets. I'm hearing Thomas... Hopefully I'm saying this one correctly. Zapucky, who's going to be going for the Mets. And if we do wind up getting SZ Zapucky going for the Mets, I'm going to be setting the Giants at a minus 152 and a total of 8.3, where an 8 or less, I'd be taking a look at an over an 8.5 or higher to the under with the Giants. Certainly has been a little bit of a fall for this bullpen this season. They had a sub-3 ERA as a collective last season. That was the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. So they are going to need these guys to be able to pick it up. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries. Jake McGee is currently on the injured list after he had a really rough start to the season. Dominic Leon, Zach Liddell, they've been dealing with injuries, so it's really been Cabello Duvall along Charlie Garcia's needed to hold down the fort, but you do take a look at this Giants offense. I do think that they're going to be able to do some damage here against a guy in Zapucky that I take a look at him, and this is just not a guy that if he does wind up getting the start, that should be getting a start now. I mean, it's just a case in which the Mets, they're without Jacob DeGrom, they're without Tyler McGill, they're without Max Scherzer. I think that the towel boy wound up getting injured as well, but Zapucky wound up getting a little bit of a cup of coffee at the Major League level last season, but take a look at it, and he is 0-7 in his last two seasons at the minor league level. Now, this year it's not his fault. 286 ERA just has been let down in general. But you take a look at what he wound up doing last year at the minor league level. He was dishing out, and I'm not even kidding here, six walks per nine innings. He's got good swing and miss stuff. This year, 12.3 strikeouts per nine innings. But certainly a guy that is rough with regards to the command. And this is a Mets team that they wound up losing Miguel Castro, Aaron Loop, and a few others from that bullpen from a season ago. So that does wind up putting them behind the eight ball a little bit. Now, you do take a look at this Mets offense. And it's been one of the best out there in the big leagues. Pete Alonso led the MLB in home runs on the road last season. He's got 11 this year. He's hitting right around a 290. Brandon Nimmo hitting just below a 300 going into Tuesday along with Mark Canna. You've been able to get a little bit of something from time to time out of Sterling Marte who's hitting at 270 and for the Giants, Tommy LaSalle being back the fold. That is solid for them. Darren Ruff is starting to get out of his funk. Mikey Stremski hitting right around 300. Luis Gonzalez, who apparently is a reliever for the team, all of a sudden with how much he's been pitching, he's been able to hit a 320 as well. And if you're able to get Brandon Belt back at some point, that is going to be helping because he's been on the injured list for a bit. It's been a little bit tough for the team, and the catcher spot in general has been rough. But with that said, if you do wind up getting Zabucky out there, there's just so trusting in this Mets team. A bullpen game would probably warrant at the very very least five cents better on this line for the Mets because with Junis versus Zapucky, like I think it's going to be minus 152 would be my number on the Giants and an eight or less would be looking over a half or to the under as we move on to 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be in the road faceoff against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty-Wap is going to be going for the Nats and one Julio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves in between minus 210 and minus 220. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Washington, it's anywhere between plus 175 and plus 190 with your total in half. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. The Dodgers offense has been doing a great job in this series and with the Dodgers, I did wind up setting them on the run line at a minus 148 and this is a spot in which I'm willing to lay up to a minus 228 with regards to 
the money line. You do take a look at what you're able to get out of this Dodgers team, and even with Max Muncy, Justin Turner has been banged up, all having relative struggles this season. You take a look at what you've been able to get out of Mookie Betts. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs. He has really been able to heat up for this team. Will Smith has not been out there on the field overly long at the catcher spot. It's sort of been a revolving door between Ian Austin Barnes, but both of these guys have been able to step up and produce for this team as well. And you even take a look at this Nationals team, and it's been a rough year for Nelson Cruz. He's starting to bust out of his funk a little bit more now, sitting above the Mendoza line of a 200, but some of the guys at the bottom of the lineup, like D. Strange, Gordon, Lane, Thomas, not only do they not hit for average, but they don't draw walks as well. Now, you take a look at a few guys like Keybert Ruiz, Cesar Hernandez, they've been able to get on base for the Nationals, sitting between a 280 and 285, and Josh Bell and Yadiel Hernandez, both hitting right around 300, has been solid, but Juan Soto has had a little bit of a disappointment this year, not going to lie. 14 RBI, 8 home runs, he has that 380 on base, but hasn't necessarily been able to hit for a lot of pop, and this is just a Nationals bullpen that you really can't trust, and you're probably going to need to trust in this bullpen if you want to take a plus price, says Kyle Finnegan has been a little bit shaky with right around a 4 ERA. Victor Rano has had to be placed in some big spots, and it's not necessarily too terrific. Tanner Rainey at a north of 70 ERA last season, and that's a team's closer, and you take a look at the Dodgers, and because he did wind up having Tyler Anderson pitch 8 innings a few days ago, this is a relatively aggressive bullpen. Danny Hudson, Evan Phillips, these are guys that have been able to step up a little bit more for this team, especially Guy Phillips with a sub-3 ERA. Craig Kimbrell, he's had his ups and his downs, but certainly has been able to have a relatively solid year along with Alex Vesia. So I do think that this should be a spot in which the Dodgers should be a very sizable favorite, especially with a guy in Julio Rios, who over the last two seasons has actually been better on the road than he has been at home. He wound up winning 20 games last season with 13 of those coming on the road. You take a look this year, and much like last year, he's got a better ERA on the road rather than at home. And then you take a look at the flip side for Mr. Eric Fetty-Wap, and he's been able to have a couple of relatively solid starts recently. He's given up a combined 600 runs over the course of his last four starts. Very respectable there. Thing is, he's given up at least three walks in four out of his last five starts, 20 walks in total over the course of 39 and two-thirds innings. So I just really cannot have a lot of faith in him. With regards to the Dodgers' run line right now, I'm finding it at a minus one. I'm willing to go up to about a minus 145-ish here. So I'm going to be willing to take that Dodgers run line. Been a high-scoring series thus far, and I do think that it's going to be another high-scoring game, especially with this being played in the afternoon. So my total at an 8.8. So looking on the over of 8.5 and and looking at a Dodgers run line. We move on to 9.57, 9.58 on the bang board. This is going to be the DK Nation pick as the Milwaukee Bears hit the road face-off against the Slam Diego Padres. You Darvish going to be going for the pods, and Aaron Ashby is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee is finding themselves slight underdogs, anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Padres, anywhere between minus 117 and minus 125, with 7.5 being your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And when it comes to the DK Nation pick, I'm going to be fading Aaron Ashby. I'm looking at the Padres on the money line. I was mentioning it a little bit with our good friend Jeff Parles. The fact that with Aaron Ashby, I think that he's to be very solid in a few years, but he's just been so much better on the bullpen than he has been as a starter. You take a look at his career numbers. 462 ERA as a starter, 363 ERA coming out of the bullpen. I think that that's very glaring, and when he's been a starter, his walks per nine rate has been darn near six, and opponents hit 30 points higher off of him, so he clearly is someone that is a little bit more comfortable coming out of the bullpen. On top of that, if the Brewers do wind up having a ninth inning lead, Josh Hader not going to be available for this game. I think that that is just so important, especially with a Padres team that they're starting to get guys not named Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado going. Both of these guys have been magnificent this year. Hosmer going into Tuesday, hitting a 320, and then Machado, 27 RBI, 
365 batting average, but Will Myers is out hitting at 250 along with Jorge Alfaro. Now, you need a little bit more out of guys like a Robinson Cano, Trent Grisham, Luke Voigt. These guys hitting below 200 have been a little bit rough, but Jerickson Profar has been able to get on base recently and for the Brewers. They are currently dealing with Willie Adamas being on the injured list. Rowdy Tellez wound up being out of the fold yesterday. Hunter Renfro wound up being out of the fold yesterday. So, you've got a very banged up Milwaukee Brewers team. Now, Luis Odias, he's hitting a 302, but he, along with Mark Brasso, who's actually been relatively solid, only two guys for the Brewers hitting at least a 248 that were in the starting lineup on Tuesday, which that's a little bit rough. And Devin Williams has been used quite a bit with Josh Hader currently away from the team. So, that means more innings for guys like Brent Suter, Holby Milner, and I can't think that you're going to get a lot of length out of Aaron Ashby as well because he's someone that he's used to coming in out of the bullpen, so that does wind up being a little bit of an issue for him. You take a look at Ashby, and he has went, I believe, north of five innings just once this season, and for you, Darvish, he has for his career with the Padres, so two plus years, but just so much better at home rather than on the road. You take a look this year. Buck 37 home ERA, 581 road ERA. Now you go back to 2021, obviously. He didn't have quite that low of a home ERA, but 338 at home compared to a 554 on the road. So you can tell that he's very accustomed to pitching in San Diego. Now, their bullpen has been a little bit shaky as well, but Taylor Rogers has been one of the best closers out there in the big leagues. Craig Stammen is able to give you some solid innings if you need even a few innings out of the bullpen for long relief. Nabel Crisbet has been able to provide that as well. So, DK Nation pick is going to be on the Padres. I wound up setting them as a minus 146. Do not trust Aaron Ashby at this point as a starter. Do wind up setting my total at 7.2 as well, especially with the Brewers being a little bit depleted with regards to their lineup due to injury. So, I'm looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Padres with the DK Nation pick. 959, 960 on the banging board to the Chicago Cubs. Hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Luis Castillo getting the start for them, and the professor Kyle Hendricks is going to be going for the Chicago Cubs. If you're taking a look at the Cubs, you're going to be getting anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115 with regards to the price. Meanwhile, with the Cincinnati Reds, you're finding them anywhere between a minus 120 to a minus 125 with 8.5 being your total over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. With the Reds, I set them as a minus 124 favorite. So, the minus 120s, minus 122s that we're seeing, that's a max I'm willing to lay with the Reds, but you know what? I'm going to be willing to ride with the Cincinnati Reds. Luis Castillo hasn't been laying the world on fire since he's returned, but he's been able to do a pretty solid job. He's given up two home runs in 15 and two-thirds innings. He's been able to keep the walks down, giving up right around one walk per every three or so innings. Meanwhile, Kyle Hendricks, he's been given up right in the pocket of about 3.2, 3.3 walks per nine innings, and really what's killing him is our contact. Right around 1.85 home runs per nine innings, and for his career, Kyle Hendricks has an ERA that's nearly a point higher on the road rather than at home. That has been the case thus far this season as well. His opponents overall rating a 258 off of him. Never has been too much of a swing and miss guy. Now the Cubs, their advantage is that they have a better bullpen than the Cincinnati Reds, and the Reds, they were not getting the start that they were looking for yesterday out of Tyler Molly. So that's not necessarily too terrific for them. And for the Cubs, Scott Efforts has been able to do a very solid job out of the bullpen. I like what you're able to get out of Michael Givens as well. So these are guys that have been able to do a solid job for the Reds. It's just a case of which Hunter Strickland does not belong in an MLB roster. Tony Santian, I feel like he should be a little bit more of a starter than a reliever. You've had Alexis Diaz, Jeff Hoffman do a solid job, but those are really the only two guys they're able to trust. And then you take a look at the Cubs, and it's a bunch that entered the series scoring about a run lower on the road than they did at home. Now, this series has been able to help out those numbers just a tad, but 
but still, you do have a little bit of unreliability when it comes to this Cubs lineup. C.A. Suzuki wound up getting off to a very hot start to the season, and still has been able to get on base right around 350 on base, but he has not hit a home run in darn near a month. It has been a while for him now. I like their young infielder and Christopher Morell. He's now hitting well above a 300. He has been rock solid for the team. Ian Happ has nearly a 400 on base as well, and He'd be able to get a little bit of something out of someone like an Alfonso Rivas. Patrick Wisdom strikes out way too much, but he does have a double-digit amount of homers. And for the Reds, this has been a solid over team all season long. Over the last week or so, going into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday, they had been playing six out of their last eight games the under, so they had been in a little bit of a funk with regards to the offense. But ever since you wound up getting back, guys like a Mike Musakis, someone who's hitting a 300 and Tyler Stevenson, it has been a little bit better for the team. Brandon Drury has been able to hit about a 250. His on-base has been solid. He's been able to give you seven home runs. So I do think that we are going to be able to see some runs scored in this game. I did wind up saying my total as a result at an 8.2. So I take a look at this spot. I think that an 8.5, a little bit too lofty because I do think that Luis Castillo going to be able to rein it in. You do have a Cubs team doing a solid job with regards to their bullpen. So even if Kyle Hendricks does wind up getting blown up a little bit, I do think that you've got a little bit of forgiveness there. So relatively close, but here on an 8.5, going to be looking at an under. And with the Reds, pretty much up to the minus 123, minus 124 numbers that I'm seeing right now, I'm going to be willing to lay it. So looking Reds and looking under. 961, 962 on the betting board. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos. And Rangers Suarez is going to be on the bump for the Phillies. The Phillies are finding themselves as an underdog here. Anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Atlanta, you're going to be finding them between minus 135 and minus 140. 8.5 is your total over and under are both at minus 110. And with Suarez and company, I did wind up saying the Phillies at a plus 137. So we're seeing right now the minus 135 on the Atlanta Braves. That's pretty much the max I'd be willing to lay. But I'd be willing to lay about a minus 135 up to a minus 137 with Atlanta. I just think that this is a Phillies bullpen that it's a little bit better than their numbers bear out. They've had some cataclysmically bad collapses when guys not named Bright End and Corey Knable have been out there, but you're still really rolling the dice on these guys. And Rangers Suarez just has not been the same guy they was last season. Now, part of it has been because Alec Bohm has made so many errors behind him that it's not even funny, but he has given up three plus runs and now four out of his last five stars. I feel like from last year to this year, teams have figured him out a little bit more. There's a little bit more tape on him and he has given up a couple too many walks, over three walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, his strikeouts per nine rate, that's hovering right around a seven and a half. Meanwhile, you do take a look at Charlie Morton. He had a rough start to the season, but has been able to rein it in ever since then, giving up four runs over the course of his last three starts has given up just one home run over his last five. Swing and miss stuff is still there right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Now, the walks, he does need to calm those down a little bit. Right around 4.3 walks per nine innings. And last year, he actually had a better ERA on the road than he did at home. This year, it's a complete opposite. 289 home ERA, 675 road ERA. He has yet to give up a home run in Atlanta this season. And Atlanta, known for being a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark, hasn't necessarily bared that out in recent years. You do take a look at this Philly team, and you do have quite a few guys being able to get on base for you. Alec Bohm, who I mentioned with the airs. Bryce Harper, along Gene Segura. They're only in between about a 285 to a 300. Now, the bottom of the lineup, you need a little bit of help here. Roman Quinn, he's starting to sink back to hitting right around 200. Kyle Schwarber has been able to hit for power. Double-digit amount of homers, but only about a 205 batting average. Reese Hoskins has been a little bit up and down this season. And for the Braves, this has been one of the bottom teams with regards to batting average, but now you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. back in the fold. I actually really like what I've seen out of William Contreras. Right around a 350 on base 
Jays. He's been able to go deep quite a few times. Ozzy Albies, Marcel Ozuna, you're able to throw in their Austin Riley as well. Some of these guys have had their ups and their downs this season. You're able to throw in their Matt Olson, Dansby Swanson, all in between about a 230 to a 245 and with Riley, he has been able to go deep eight times this season, but expected a little bit more out of them. Now with the Braves, bullpen has been rock solid. Kenley Jansen, in terms of expected ERA, has actually been one of the top pitchers in all baseball this season. Tyler Madzik has been out of the fold, but he's still been able to get some relatively reliable innings out of A.J. Minter. Will Smith has his trials and tribulations, to say the least, but still a relatively solid pitcher. And I've just got a little bit more faith here in the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm going to lay up to the minus 135-ish number that we're right now with the Atlanta Braves, so going to be taking a look there. So my total at 8.2, I do think that Rangers Suarez going to be locked down a little bit more, and I do think that Charlie Morton going to be at his best at home. So looking under and looking at the Bravos. 963, 964 on the banging board. You've got yourself the Detroit Tigers in the red face off against the Minnesota Twins. Dylan, don't call me, Al Bundy is going to be going for the Twins, and Ronnie Garcia is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. The Tigers are finding themselves as a sizable underdog. Anywhere between plus 160 and plus 175. Meanwhile, with Minnesota, it's anywhere between minus 186 and minus 192 with 8 to 8 nap being your total at the 8 over and under both at minus 110. That's a very straight 8 though. Most places have an 8 nap. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. With the over you're going to be finding it anywhere between even and minus 105 and Ronnie Garcia is a very interesting guy. He's had a little bit of a cup of coffee up there at the big league level, so this is not a guy that's going to be completely without experience, but I mean, I was mentioning it with Jeff Parles. With Ronnie Garcia getting the start, if you wind up having Tariq Skubal have to miss a start, all five starters for the Detroit Tigers are going to be missing time, and I just take a look at the Tigers' bullpen, which entered into the series in the top five in terms of ERA. Alex Lang has been solid. Michael Fulmer has been able to give you good innings, even with Mr. Kyle Funkhauser out of the fold for this team. They've been able to do a great job. You just have to figure that this is going to wear on this team. And for Garcia, he's been mostly used as a long reliever. This is not a guy that has made too many starts, two career major league starts compared to 25 total games. Career ERA of 559. And this season, he's been actually relatively rock solid with the Tigers. He total appearances spanning 14 innings has given up, I believe, three or four runs in total. He's got an ERA that's hovering right around the 258 range. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job there and hasn't necessarily given up a bunch of walks, swing and miss stuff is a little bit off. But that said, when he's been making starts out there at the minor league level in past years, hasn't necessarily gone too well from command. Typically winds going a little bit all over the place. And you got to figure that he's not going to be able to lend a lot of length in this spot because he just hasn't been stretched out as a starter. This is probably going to be at most a four-inning start for him, and then you have to just wind up using the Johnny Wholesale approach. And then you take a look at, don't call me Al Bundy. It's been a little bit up and down for him this season ever since he's come back from injury. He has gotten shelled a little bit. He wound up giving up those nine runs against Baltimore Orioles a little bit earlier in the month of May. Came back against the Oakland A's. Spawned up pitching three scoreless settings, but once again, that is against the Oakland A's. Looked to be a little bit resurgent towards the beginning part of the season, but I do have my question marks with Amir. But the Twins also back him up with a relatively solid bullpen as you've been able to get some very good innings out of places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yohan Duran right around a 2-6 ERA. You've had Emilio Bagan pitch a sub-2 ERA. Joe Smith has given up one earned run thus far this season, so there have been some guys out there in that Twins bullpen that have really been able to do a nice job, and then you take a look at the lineup, and Byron Buxton, not necessarily hitting for average, but he is on pace that if he would play a full 162 games, they'd be hitting for darn near like 55 to 60 home runs, 11 home runs in 28 games, entering into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday, and on top of that, 
mix. Kepler winds up going deep for that grand slam a little bit earlier in the series. He's now got a 372 on base. Luis Arias is hitting above a 335. Along Gilberto Sestino. Now, got a couple guys like Jose Miranda that need to pick it up, but the Twins are starting to do some things with regards to the offense. And for the Detroit Tigers, it's been bad. I mean, they're averaging right around 2.1 to 2.2 runs per game on the road right now. Spencer Torkelson, Robbie Grossman, Jamie Candelario. You're able to throw in there Derek Hill, Javi Baez. All these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. It's been a hot mess. As a matter of fact, you take a look at what we wound up getting on Tuesday, and you wound up having more guys hitting below a 215 than you had guys hitting above it. So that is just not terrific right there. I do think that this is a Tigers team that is going to struggle once again in this spot. I believe that they wound up entering into the day on Tuesday having 22 home runs in 41 games. So that tells you the lack of power that we've right now got right now with the Detroit Tigers. So this is a spot in which I did wind up saying the Minnesota Twins minus 213 on the money line. On the run line, I was willing to lay a little bit of a price. Right now, I'm finding them at a plus 105. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 110, minus 115 with them. So I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the Twins just because I don't know if the Tigers, even with Dylan Bundy pitching, are going to be able to get to two in this spot. I wound up setting my total at a seven. I am looking at the under, and I'm looking at the Twins on the run line because I just have no faith in the Tigers' offense right now. 965, 966 on the betting board. Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us to the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be walking the plank for Oakland. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's finding themselves as right around a minus. 152 to a minus 165 favorite. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Oakland, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 140 and plus 145 with 7.5 being your total. Under is anywhere between minus 120, minus 125, or if it's anywhere between even and plus 105. And when it comes to the Oakland A's, I do mind up saying them as an underdog of right around a plus 152. So I need to get a couple more cents for this to be able to be a take for me. If you're taking a look at the run line right now in this spot, you're right now finding the Mariners Anywhere between about a plus 125 to a plus 135. This is a spot in which, now that it's up to a plus 130-ish in a lot of spots, I would be willing to take a look at ACL Mariners' run line, be able to reduce the juice a little bit. I'm going to be gauging this a little bit overnight to see if we wind up getting some steam on the Seattle Mariners, but if not, I would be taking a look at the Mariners' run line rather than laying the money line because I do think that Robbie Ray is going to be able to rein it in a little bit more. He's been a little bit of a disappointment this year coming off of his Cy Young Award season last year, 470 ERA. Even last year, he was giving up right around one and a half home runs per nine innings. He's sort of at the same clip this season and the walks are back up. He's given up right around three and a half walks per nine inning strikeouts are there, but do take a look at Paul Blackburn and I think that he is due in for some regression. He is giving up right around seven and a half hits per nine innings, but I mean the walks one and a half walks per nine innings. He's not getting a lot of swing and miss right now. He's only getting right around 7.7, 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but has done a great job of being able to hold down the four. Two runs of fear given up in all but one of his starts. Once again, I do think that he's doing for a little bit of regression. And this Oakland A's bullpen, they're just not going to be able to keep up what they've been able to do this year. I'm sorry, they just aren't. This team has been lights out with regards to the bullpen, but you take a look at it going into what we wound up getting on Tuesday. You wound up having Danny Jimenez, AJ Puck, and Sam Ball, all with a 0 68 ERA or greater. That's just insane right there. And it's not to say that these guys are going to have like a 5 ERA at the end of the season, but to expect them to be sub 1, all three of them, is just unrealistic. Domingo Acevedo with right around 245 ERA. I mean, that's a little bit more realistic. Zach Jackson has been hovering right around 290 some. I mean, I do think that's a solid bullpen. I think that it's right now 
completely insane what we're seeing. Meanwhile, with these Seattle Mariners, they've been a little bit banged up with the bullpen, and guys like Drew Seconder that were solid last year, they haven't necessarily been that, but you do take a look at the Mariners, and you've got a couple guys stepping up with regards to bet. Adam Frazier is hitting right around 265, and Julio Rodriguez entering into Tuesday a 275, and you take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and he has been just on absolute fire. Over the last 15 days, entering into Tuesday, hitting a 345. So, this has been absolutely terrific for him. You've got a little bit of pop with Eugenio Suarez, 9 home runs, 320 on base. So, he's starting to pick it up along Jesse Winker. J.P. Crawford is hitting a 285 in tie France. 28 RBI, 394 on base entering into Tuesday. And something that you do like to see him for the Oakland A's. This is just a team that they're not generating any offense whatsoever right now. You take a look at their starting lineup for Tuesday. And they had one guy that was hitting above a 250. And that's a guy that has seen 34 at pass in Luis Pereira. Everyone else hitting a 250 or lower. They do get Jed Lowry back to the full. Chad Pinder is now giving you a couple at pass, but nobody in that lineup as well. Four plus home runs. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Robbie Ray has had his struggles this year, but I do think that he's going to be able to lend a relatively solid performance. And for Paul Blackburn, it's been a good year for him. I do expect a little bit of regression. I did wind up saying this total at a 6.7 just with the way that the A's have been hitting in general. Now, I do recognize that it's a day game out there in Seattle. A little bit more hitter-friendly with that regard, but I am willing to take a look at an under and with the Mariners. I think that they are just going to be able to really blank the A's in this spot. So I'm looking at a run line of the Mariners as of right now. Like I said, I'll gauge to see if we can wind up getting a little bit more of a plus price on the A's, but right now I think that I'm probably going to be winding up taking a plus 130 to a plus 135 run line on the Mariners and taking a look at this total under as well. 967, 968 on the betting board. Got the New York Yankees playing us to the Baltimore Orioles. Tyler Wells is going to be going for the Royals, and J.P. Sears is going to be making his first career start for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves in between minus 192 and minus $2. Meanwhile, with Baltimore, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 165 and plus 182 with your total on this game, 8.5. The over and the under are both at minus 110, and with Mr. Sears, this is a pride of the Citadel who's going to be making his first career start. He's made a couple relief appearances at the big league level. I believe that he's made two this season, so very small cup of coffee. Really can't make much. Uh, the fact that he's gotten two innings this season at the big league level, so we wind up going to his AAA numbers at Scranton slash Wilkes-Barre this season, and he's been able to do a solid job. A sub-1 ERA. Now, I will throw out there that this is 21 and two-thirds innings out there at the minor league level, but he's been lights out for them. You take a look at 2021, wound up posting up a 350 ERA. Command was good, didn't wind up giving up a lot of hard contact, so I think that he's going to come out and he's going to be relatively solid in his first start. I actually do think that there is a little bit of value here on the Baltimore Orioles, though, especially if we wind up getting up to a plus 185 just because... Well, for Sears, it is going to be a relatively big moment for him for one. And, dude, the Orioles are just playing a little bit better. This is a Yankees team that they wound up entering into Tuesday with their first three-game losing streak of the season. And with the Orioles, this is still a team that I don't think they're going to be making the postseason or anything like that. But they're a bit more respectable. Trey Boomancini is hitting right around 300. Austin the Sayers kid, more like a 275. Cedric Mullins has had a little bit of regression recently, but he's had a much better month of May than he did in the month of April. You've been able to have Anthony Santander 
give you a 350 on base. Ryan Mountcastle's back in fold now. Guys at the bottom of the lineup like Jorge Mateo and company, they're actually improving a little bit. They went from inning below the Mendoza line of 200, more like a 220. Adelaide Rushman is now up at the big league level. And for the Yankees, I mean, we've got to call it like it is. Aaron Judge is just on fire. 17 home runs, entering into Tuesday, 393 on base. Anthony Rizzo's been able to give you 11 bombs along John Carlos Stanton as well. Labor Torres is starting to pick it up a little bit as well. He wound up getting a home run yesterday. Miguel Anduar has been solid. He's been sort of taking the place of someone like a Joey Gallo. So I do like what I'm seeing out of this Yankees lineup. But the bullpen is a little bit teeter-totterish right now. Chad Green, he is now out of the fold, which means that you need to rely upon more of a Wandy Peralta, who's been terrific for this team. But Jonathan Lewisica has not had a good season. Raldis Chapman, he's dealing with a little bit of an Achilles injury, which means that you go a little bit more to Miguel Castro. And I still think that the Yankees bullpen is solid, but it's certainly has taken some blows. And for the Orioles, this is a top eight bullpen with regards to ERA. CNL Perez, I don't think he's going to be able to keep up his sub one ERA, but Felix Bautista, 250 ERA. I like what I've seen out of him. Brian Baker is someone that I really don't trust him too much. The fact that they got Paul Fry out of there, that is actually an upgrade for me. Dylan Tate is someone I do like as well, but I take a look at this Orioles team, and I think the X Factor here, what you're going to be able to get out of Tyler Wells, because Wells is actually someone that wound up becoming a starter after he pitched out of the bullpen for many years. Not much of a swing and miss guy, right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but command is there with him. Right around 1.7-ish walks per nine innings. Hasn't really given up more than three runs in a single start this year. Now, not a guy that has come out there and has been able to throw like seven scoreless or anything like that, but a guy that is going to come out there, keep the game within reason, and I do think that that lends a little bit of value here to Baltimore. I would need more like a plus 185 to be able to take a shot here, but I'm taking a look at Baltimore, and I do think that we're going to be getting more around a plus 185 when it's all said and done, so I'm going to be taking a look there with regards to the Yankees run line. I was willing to take it as long as I was pretty much getting even money or better right now with the the Yankees run line. We're finding it in a lot of places right around a minus 105. So even at a minus 105, I would be much more willing to take a Baltimore Orioles right around plus 185, plus 180-ish rather than the Yankees at minus money on laying a run and a half. So that's where I'm looking with regards to the money line slash run line. Looking at the Orioles, do you mind up saying my total? I had a 9.2. I do think that Sears might not wind up giving a ton of length and then you wind up going to a Yankees bullpen that is a little bit banged up, but I do think that there might be a little bit of regression for the Orioles bullpen as well. So looking over and looking at the O's. 960, 970 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox going to be playing O's to the Boston Red Sox. Rich Hill is going to be going for the Red Sox. And Lucas Gilito on the bump for the White Sox. I will just give you the run line right now on the White Sox. It would be plus 115 at plus 125 if you're looking to lay a run and a half with the White Sox money line. That is anywhere between minus 165 and minus 170 plus price with Boston. It's anywhere between plus 150 and seeing as high as a plus 162 with 8 being your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even money and minus 110. And with the Red Sox, I need to get at least a plus 163 to be able to take a shot. So we've went a little bit too far on the White Sox money line, but with regards to the run line, I was willing to take anything north of a plus 115 on the White Sox, seeing a lot of plus 120 to plus 125. That's where I'm going to be looking in this spot because Rich Hill has actually been relatively solid in his most recent last few starts, but behind him. You got a bullpen that's not necessarily too terrific, and the problem that you do have with Rich Hill is that in his very solid starts, most of them have been for right around four to five innings. You take a look at him, and he has went more than five innings just once thus far this season, so that is a little bit of an issue, and in his last start, wound up giving up four runs and two innings against the Seattle Mariners. That meant that Tyler Danish and guys like that wound up having to come in out of the bullpen, and this is a Red Sox team that they're in the bottom half of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA, especially with Garrett Woodlock now being moved to being a starter 
quarter, it means that you just don't have as much protection. Now, Matt Stram has come out of the bullpen. He has been terrific. He and Austin Davis actually have sub two ERAs, but you take a look past that, and you've got Tanner Houck, who's become a long guy. He's got north of a four ERA. Phillips Valdez has been out of the fold for quite a while. Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, both of these guys north of a six ERA. And then for the Boston Red Sox, just such a top-heavy lineup. I mean, your main three have been terrific for this team. Sander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, all entered into Tuesday, hitting at least a 325. And past that in the lineup, you did not wind up having a single other player with more than 10 at-bats this season, hitting above a 231. So that is very much a little bit of an issue. Now, Trevor Story is starting to come on. You take a look at him in the last seven days, and he just completely torched the Seattle Mariners. But going into Tuesday, last seven days, was able to go deep five times with a 364 batting average at 13 RBI. So he has been on absolute fire right there, but I don't think that that's sustainable. You did wind up having Kike Hernandez get a home run yesterday, so that's a little bit encouraging. And some of these guys like Franchi Cordero and guys that have been struggling towards the beginning of the year, they're starting to pick it up a little bit more for the Red Sox. So they're a good start to what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. Encouraging for them, but you also take a look at the White Sox. Tim Anderson, 400 on base, 360 batting average. He's been doing a tremendous job for this team. Jose Abreu is not going to continue it at the 215. They wind up entering into Tuesday with you all. Moncada hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 along with Lurie Garcia. You got to figure that these guys are going to see some positive progression. Andrew Vaughn, he's been able to 275 for this team despite being a little bit banged up. AJ Pollock is picking it up as well. And then for the White Sox, Bullpen has been a little bit up and down. I like what I'm seeing out of Kendall Graben, and Liam Hendricks seems to be picking it up a little bit more. I think he's a little bit overrated with regards to the hierarchy of the closers in the big leagues, but I'd be putting him more around that 5-6 range. He's still a relatively solid guy, but you also need guys to be able to get him the ball, and someone like Bennett Sosa, not necessarily too terrific. Matt Foster has actually been halfway decent this season, but I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Lucas Giolito is going to be able to give you a relatively solid start. He has been dealing with a couple of ailments, and I believe he was on the COVID-19 list as well, but still has been able to come out. He's been able to do his job thus far this season, posting up a 284 ERA. Has given up six home runs at 31 and two-thirds innings. That is a little bit of a fear that you wind up having with him, but that said, he's also doing a good job of being able to mow them down north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. So this is a spot in which I did wind up setting my total here at an 8.3. So at the eight, I am willing to take a look at the over, especially with Giolito giving up a couple bombs. And with the White Sox looking at them on the run line, I do think that they're going to be able to get into that Boston Red Sox bullpen, despite the fact that they are the home team willing to take that run line. 971-972 on the betting board. Houston Astros is going to be playing us to the Cleveland Guardians. Cal Quantrill is going to be going for the Guardians, and one Christian Aviad is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston has found themselves as a hefty favorite, anywhere between minus 178 and minus 190. Meanwhile, with the Guardians, it's anywhere between plus 155 and plus 178 is your total over and under, both at minus 110, and was willing to take a shot as long as we were able to get that plus 170 price on the Cleveland Guardians and we have gotten there at multiple books, so I am going to be willing to take a shot here on Cal Quantrill. Quantrill's been a little bit down from what we wound up seeing last season. ERA has been heightened a tad, but still has given up three runs or fewer in 21 out of his last 23 appearances. So, guy has been steady, Eddie, and rock solid. Does need to work on the walks a little bit, giving up a little bit over three walks per nine innings, and it's never been too much of a swing and miss guy, but has been able to get some good soft contact and a low barrel rate, which has been really the case for both of these guys, Javier, giving up three home runs in 31 and two-thirds innings, and Quantrill, three home runs in 41 and a third innings. You take a look at Javier on the flip side, giving up right around three walks per nine innings, and has always had good swing and miss stuff. This is someone that's giving you right around 10.5 punch-outs per nine innings. Had a blow-up start against Washington Nationals. Went three and two-thirds 
six-and-a-third innings, gave up seven runs. You take that out of the equation, he's went right in the pocket of about 27 and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs. That's right around a one-ish ERA. So he has been very good for this Houston Astros team. And the Astros actually entered into Tuesday number one in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA. Now, I do think that we are going to see a little bit of regression with some of these guys. Rafael Montero right now is a 0.54 ERA. Seth Martinez, who has been appearing a little bit more frequently for this team, especially in long relief, has yet to give up a run this season. Hector Neris has been lights out. Ryan Stanek, sub-2 ERA. I do think that you're going to see a little bit of an increase there. And for the Guardians, you've had Emmanuel Classe do a solid job in the ninth inning in so many instances. Brian Shaw has been a little bit rough out there in the bullpen, but Trevor Steven, sub-3 ERA. Nick Sandlin, he's been able to do a solid job in some big spots as well. And you do take a look at this Cleveland Guardians lineup, and you've got Jose Ramirez, who's currently leading the big leagues with regards to RBI. He wound up going deep for the 11th time this season yesterday, and Take a look at it. He's hitting right around 292. Got a lot of guys that have been relatively steady with regards to being able to get on base. Stephen Kwan, along with Owen Miller, both of these guys have been able to do a good job. Miller, 280 batting average. Kwan, more around a 370-ish on base. Now, Fred Mill Reyes, Oscar Mercado, Ernie Clement, Austin Edges, these guys hitting a 210 or lower. They need to pick it up a little bit, but Miles Straw, 345 on base, one of the best base healers out there in baseball. And for the Houston Astros, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Jeremy Pena, only between a 275 to a 290 has been been rock solid for this team. You've been able to get a little bit of power out of Altuve along with Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez 12 home runs entering into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. So you do like to see that and should the Astros be a favorite? Yes, I do like Christian Javier, but I think that Cal Quantrill and just the steady Eddie approach that he has along with the Guardians doing a good job of being able to get on base lends a little bit of value here with Cleveland. So as long as I'm getting the plus 170 that I'm seeing, I'm willing to take a shot here. Semi-total is 7.8. I do think that both of these guys are a little bit of undervalued you pitcher. So, looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Cleveland. 973, 974 on the bang board. The LA Angels are going to be playing up to the Walker, Texas Rangers. Glenn Otto is going to be going for the Rangers, and Reed Detmers is going to be on the bump for the LA Angels. Right now, your total is 8.5 with the over and the under, both anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and shock, shock, surprise, surprise, Angels are a relatively sizable favorite. In between minus 151 and minus 160 is your price. Anywhere between plus 140 and plus 150 is what you're going to be finding the Texas Rangers at, and if you're looking at that Angels run line, a working plus 125 and plus 130 is your price. And, and this is a spot in which I was willing to take a shot on the Rangers as long as I was getting at least a plus 147. Now that we've been able to see a couple plus 150s be able to pop, I'm seeing a couple 147s, 148s as well. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on Texas. Glenn Otto, someone that was very solid at the minor league level. I remember last year, north of 10 strikeouts per nine innings. A guy that at the big league level has issued a lot of walks at the minor league level didn't wind up airing out so much. And I do think that he's going to be able to come in. And his numbers have been skewed a little bit by one bad start. Wound up giving up eight runs of four innings against the Boston Red Sox. Other than that, wound up going up against the Astros twice, the Yankees once, and yeah, one bad team in the Oakland A's. Those four starts gave up one or two runs at every one of them. Didn't necessarily go overly deep in too many of them. Went five innings or fewer in three out of those four starts, but still was able to do a relatively solid job. And then you take a look at Reed Detmers. He did wind up having that no-hitter in his start against the Tampa Bay Rays a few weeks ago, but last start against the Rangers. They wind up giving up three runs in three and two-thirds innings, and a guy that, despite having a no-hitter this year, 4.15 ERA, not much of a swing and miss guy. Fewer than seven strikeouts per nine innings has been able to control the walks, giving you right around 2.6-ish walks per nine innings, and this is a Rangers lineup that it is rough right now because Marcus Simeon still has as many home runs as Greg Peterson. That is not terrific right now, but Corey Seager, Nate Lowe, Cole Calhoun, they're all hitting at 245 to 250 entering into Tuesday. Seager has been able to give you eight home runs. Calhoun at eight at least. Garcia, six home runs, but you need Garcia to be able to pick it 
it up. He, Andy Abanez, the aforementioned Marcus Simeon, Brad Miller, all in a 225 or lower. And then you take a look at the Angels and Taylor Ward being out of the fold has been hurting the seam a little bit, but still have Mike Trout, 12 home runs, sitting over a 300, over a 400 on base. You've had guys like even a Brandon Marsh be able to hit a 270. Shoy Otani has been able to do a solid job of being able to supply the boom recently. Nine home runs overall for the season. But you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last, we're going to call it 15 or so days. And it certainly has been pretty solid for this team as he wound up having that series against the Texas Rangers a few weeks ago in which he wound up being able to supply three bombs. Now, the Angels bullpen can be a little bit shaky. I like what you're able to get out of Rossi Iglesias as a closer. Ryan Tapera this year has not been terrific. 425 ERA. I think that he's going to be able to rein it in an Aaron Loop. He's got himself right around a three ERA. Mike Myers, Oliver Ortega, a little bit of a roll of the dice. And I will say for the Texas Rangers, a big reason why i got to be taking a look at them a little bit more seriously is that their bullpen has actually been very good over the last three days. They've been a top 10 bullpen ever since the beginning of the month of May as you've been able to have quite a few guys come in and hold down the fort as Brock Burke has right now a sub 1-5 ERA along with Joe Barlow, Dennis Santana, right around 225-ish. John King has been able to come in. He's been able to give you some good innings. So I do think that Otto with his good plus stuff going to be able to keep the Rangers live in this game. I do think that it's a case in which it is going to be a little bit higher scoring. Detmer's not much of a swing and miss guy. Glenn Otto has been known to give up a little bit of hard contact himself, so I did wind up saying that my total at an 8.6 looking over, but I think that the Rangers, with having a better bullpen in this spot, lend themselves with a little bit of value. So looking Rangers and looking over, and we wrap things up with 975-976 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins hit the road faceoff against the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Rasmussen goes for the Rays, and Cody Poteet on the bump for Miami. Currently, we have no numbers up on this game. Poteet was not known as a starter until late on Tuesday, so that's why this game is off the board, but I didn't mind seeing the Rays as a minus-171 favorite and made my total of 9.4, so a 9 or less. I'll be taking a look at an over, a 9.5 or higher to the under. Now, you wound up having the Tampa Bay Rays be able to just completely wipe out the Miami Marlins yesterday, and this is a Marlins offense that they've been a little bit surprising this year. Wouldn't doubt it if we wind up seeing a little bit of regression, and I do think that it is going to be a curious case with regards to some of your star bats of this team, because right now you've got Avicio Garcia, Ore Soler, Jacob Sellings, Asus Sanchez, all really struggling for this team. The only one of those guys hanging above a 220 is Mr. Sellings, but if Garrett Cooper give you a 350 on base, Asus Aguiar sitting right around 280, he does a solid job of being able to supply some RBI in for the Tampa Bay Rays. A lot of guys that have been hitting right around that 255 to a 265 range. Randy Rosarena has really been able to pick it up recently. Juan Franco, who has been in a little bit of funk, has sunk down there. And Kevin Kiermaier now has six home runs. He's a guy that's known for his glove. He's really been able to pick it up a little bit. Harold Ramirez, he can just blow a 300 now. You have Taylor Walls along with Mike Zanino have really been in a funk for Zanino. You just expect him to be able to give you a little bit more power as hit just four home runs thus far the season. But with the Tampa Bay Rays, very solid bullpen for the seam. You wound up having Shane McClanahan give you six strong. I don't think J.P. Fireisen has given up a single earned run all season long. And you take a look outside of him, you've been able to get some very good performances out of someone like a Jason Adam, who he's got a one ERA. Colin Pooch has a sub-1-5 ERA along Jalen Beeks, who's a little bit more of an opener for the seam. Brooks Raley has been able to do a terrific job. And for the Miami Marlins, you've been able to have some good performances out there in the bullpen as well. Stephen Okert has a sub-2-5 ERA. You've had the Anthony's be going one of two ways with Anthony Bass, a sub 170 area and then Anthony Bender more like a 450 so he's had some struggles but by and large it has been a relatively solid bullpen and one of those
those main bullpen pieces has ironically enough been Mr. Potich, who has made a few starts throughout his career, has been used mostly as a long reliever this year. He's been used 10 times with one start, 23 total innings, 0.78 ERA. Does a good job being able to control the walks. Not necessarily a high swing and miss guy, right around seven half strikeouts per nine innings, but certainly has been able to do the job. And for Drew Rasmus said, ever since he wanted getting thrusted into the starting rotation last season, he's got himself a sub three ERA with the Tampa Bay Rays thus far this season, a 233 ERA, giving up just two home runs and 38 and two thirds innings. And command has been there, which allows him to be able to lend a little bit of length as well, right around two walks per nine innings. So I do take a look at this spot with the Rays. I do think that it's going to be a little bit more pitcher friendly once again. Trop, always a little bit of a tough place to be able to hit. So a seven or less looking over seven half prior to the under end. Made the Rays minus 171 on the money line. Would need at least a plus 125 to lay the run and half with the Rays, especially with this being a home game and the Marlins being a relatively solid pitching team. And that'll wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. A big thanks to Jeff Parles of VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.